Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Welcome to To Boldly Watch, the Star Trek The Next Generation Talk About It show. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Becca Scott. I'm another one, Xander Donneray. And I'm the third, Jake Michaels. And if you want to support this show and everything we do on our media empire, Good Time Society, you can go to wow. patreon.com slash Society and you'll get to see the early release behind the scenes video where I make cool stars move behind us that is uh, available <laughs> just for patrons. Ooh. Also, you know, zero editing. Sometimes <laughs> Jake will get up to sign for a package. <laughs> Sid right. and I will just uh, speculate on what kind of package it might be. And that Ooh. makes the final cut on the YouTube Patreon <laughs> video because there is no cut. Now I need to watch this. I didn't know there was a lot of speculation about it. We all know how this fanfic ends. You reach through <laughs> the green screen, through Jonathan Frake's face to grab something. Hmm. <laughs> Riker, always horny. <laughs> <laughs> always begging to get his face reached through. Anxiety. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I'm also a fan of Deanna Troy's counseling style. Interesting. What do you think <laughs> makes it uh, exactly what it is? I think she just has this gift, this je ne sais quoi, that's just a little extra. I don't know. It's different than a human counselor. She definitely got personal in the beginning of this episode by, like, purposely holding on to some... Okay husband's like wait we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into it what episode that's right it's that's right episode 410 the loss boom the loss deanna troy loses something but gains so much more (laughs) (laughs) that's a better that's better than what's written down here so we're gonna Uh, keep it yeah uh, yeah i should be writing these things (laughs) you really should be (laughs) she gains the friends we made along the way yeah yeah (laughs) maybe the empathic abilities were the friends we made along the way but yes okay so we start off in the the cold open we've got this counseling scene right with Mm -hmm. this ensign who is a mess Get it together, lady. (laughs) Your husband dies and you say, get rid of everything that was his? That's your first instinct? Okay. Later on, this puts a little more context into it. Later on, we learn that Troy is the only ship's counselor on this uh, this ship, the Enterprise D, which is huge and has a ton of people on it. So it makes sense why she would have this music box. I mean, ultimately, yeah, part of the story, whatever, she has a breakthrough. She's got this music box in a closet. But I want to figure <laughs> out how did that get there? Was it a special bond that she had with this husband during his counseling sessions? And he's like, I'm very close with my wife who's an ensign on the ship but i want you to have this here's, just in case anything the happens scenario. to me <laughs> i i played out in my head How first did of get all there? yeah she has over a thousand clients very what? impressive she uses calendly i imagine um not sponsored but calendly if you're listening we'll take it okay <clears throat> Uh, so she, of course, would be there the day after this lady's husband dies. And uh-huh. she's like, no, take it all away. And Troy is like, let's not We're throw this one this away. I'll hold on to this one. Yeah, I think, think that's what was happening. I think so, that's exactly right. Also, I agree with you, Becca, yeah. 
I know so much about who this man was based on the fact he has a music box jewelry box i imagine with like a little spinning ballerina we didn't we only saw it from yeah, the back side it's implied it's implied yeah yeah we all thought we all inferred that there was a ballerina right on because i feel like he's a real all... randy rainbow i would say <laughs> <laughs> referring to our pre-show conversation yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it was mark brooks was this uh starfleet officer's name right who died right. when he was all just 29 years old i was Did like we how... find out what department he was in or anything She's we an learned ensign. nothing about him. One of the accident-prone departments, so he's probably oh. like, <laughs> like an engineer or something. Yeah, or a red shirt. Transporter, maybe. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of test subjects. Yeah, yeah. 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 Test subjects. Test subject. <laughs> They're still testing it, getting the, getting it right. I did get very angry because this is my worst fear, and I don't like to empathize with um, the loss of spouses. Uh, oh, losing your losing your spouse is your biggest fear. Not empathizing is your biggest fear. Empathizing, no empathizing. <laughs> Given the two, well, yeah, so no wait. We stated that she's a mess, but she's she's holding her mess like deep inside and like burying it. Right, she's not confronting her issues, which is what Troy gets to. Sometimes the biggest mess is not letting out the mess. Right, yep. right, exactly. And Troy can feel it because she's mm-hmm. got her empathic abilities that let her see the mess on the inside that's also on the outside. Right. <laughs> well, so Ensign. Well, yeah, but she is yeah. put together. Right. And Ensign Brooks, which is this woman's name, realizes when she's recounting her issues with Troy that, you know, she wanted to look at something that was her husband's one last time. But she realized that she told them to take everything that was his away after the funeral because she just wanted to, like, shut it out. Right. Which is reasonable. You put it in a box. Sure. That's what some people do. But some people need to get rid of it, especially when the whole thing is matter recycling going into to make anything you want in the replicator. (laughs) She just ate his possessions later in a broccoli dish is what you're saying. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, the yeah. whole ship did. Everyone, yeah, yeah, everybody. <laughs> so in that way, maybe that's part of her therapy is learning that all everything that was once his is now broccoli. Except for there was one ensign that also went hungry because there was a music box that was supposed to be in the recycling, but it just was left out. Someone Aww. stole it, and now the game is afoot. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with this music box? Well, so I, I, I subscribe to... Uh, I subscribe, subscribe. I know. Sure. I believe Becca's like and theory. Yeah, <laughs> I like and subscribe to Becca's theory, <laughs> Thank uh, you. which is that Troy, like when I imagine when anybody is killed on the Enterprise, like she uh, probably checks in on the family or whoever. As the only counselor, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so she probably saw that this was happening, that all of his possessions were being shoved into the antimatter creator or whatever. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> matter I recycler. It. And she's like, hold on. Let me get something that looks precious and sure. make sure, right? And give it one last chance. And if she still feels that way, we can obviously just throw it into the recycler afterwards. But what if this was like chance. his great grandmother's that he never cared about or opened and it was she just picked the wrong thing? That's the risk she takes. Like, I also wonder. So then this is the part of her empathic side that we're going to value so much when it's gone is that what? It's she gone. can tell, right? <laughs> what? The episode's called The Lost, Becca. <laughs> we Maybe haven't she... addressed it yet. No, we're getting there. People. For the people who've never seen the show that listen to this podcast. What's the deal with the music box? We're getting (laughs) to something. (laughs) But it's like that. It's that extra that Xander mentioned, right? Is that she goes the extra step because she also is a little extra in terms of her connecting with people. Yeah, yeah. But also she's had that for two years or whatever it's been, right? So she's held on to this for the long haul for this bit. 
Right. She must have moved it from storage. Right? She hasn't been in that closet the whole time. This is a tiny little locker. It must have been in a bigger storage, but she anticipated today was the day. That is a music box closet is what that's called. A full closet of like artifacts of the loved ones who have passed. And like, I know, let's peruse. Or it's a TARDIS closet. There it is. It's bigger than the inside. What if she just replicator? Wait a minute. What if she just replicated his possessions? Oh, that would be the move. I'm sure, like on some evaluation form too, Brooks was like, "What was the thing that reminded you of?" And she wrote this down, and so Troy was like, "Bingo!" There it is. We figured Mm. it out. That's the deal with the music box. Well, let's go to the next scene, shall we? (laughs) That's the cold open. They're getting so brave with these. There is actually a a, a scene before this, which is then right because the 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 scene on the bridge happens where they're going, they're heading towards some mission, and they won't arrive for a few days, and there's like a blip on the radar. The proverbial radar, yep. the, the, the sensor readings. And they're not sure what it is, but it, it uh, passes up on the tactical with Worf and, and then Data also sees it too. And so they're like, hold on, let's just try and figure out what this is before we before we trail off with ghosts is what I think they say. They said it could be a ghost or something else. And then Picard's like, let's check on both. And first I thought they meant a ghost, but then they mean like a sensor failure or like bug or something like that. No, right? I think they mean a hanger on. <laughs> well, Bustin makes Picard feel good, so he ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> I don't know where this went, but what I'm saying is like it's a sensor ghost. Right? Yeah. Uh, too much in the weeds. They get a little rumble, rumble. Some people get some skin knees and knocked around. And Deanna has a brain. Oh yeah, right. That's what happens. Is like everybody, and apparently. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that that's the teaser, right? Is that Deanna like starts collapsing in her uh, quarters in her office? Yeah. And uh, the the sense even is like, "Hey, you good?" And she's like, "I'm fine." And I'm then fine. just as the doors are shutting, she's like, Wah! "Massive migraine." <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned her being extra. I don't know what context you meant, but this is the episode where Deanna Troy is fully extra (laughs) allowed to be meaning her emotions go off the charts Mm. you know what i can't wait till we talk about how Riker really nails down what it was that she uh that was keeping her so calm before but that's a teaser for later yeah 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 (laughs) thank you for that teaser that's really good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i put teasers Uh, A quarter of the way through. (laughs) Hope you can't wait for minute 21 of the podcast. Uh, Well, so uh, we come back from the title sequence and and Picard is like, all right, well, let's try and resume course. And they try to warp away. But it appears that the ship is being dragged along, I guess, like a particle river of some sort or something. We're not quite sure. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a gravitational pull. Actually, they don't even know if it's gravitational. They just know there's being tugged. And there's an interesting shot of the Enterprise going sideways which i've right. never seen before <laughs> yeah 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 it's just slowly drifting to one side but right. they can't visually see anything or detect anything yet that would be causing this until they turn on the black light and turns out there's <laughs> little speckles all over room raiders <laughs> <laughs> this sector is disgusting <laughs> uh, oh my god i could never be with this sector it <laughs> never changes its sheets <laughs> I don't know what the mapping of sheets is. <laughs> Data and Jordy like scan different layers of, I guess, uh, like light rays or energy, and they find that most on most 
surfaces or most dimensions, things are pretty normal. But once they get to a certain like what what is it? What is the Here's level? The, I don't know. I'll show you layers. exactly what say, they the show. The techno babble gets very specific here. Oh gosh, there's some really Later great on, techno babble. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, recorded something yeah. on my phone that I will play back for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. and hopefully we don't get copyright infringement. It'll be but fine. you know what? It's poor enough quality from my voice yeah. memo sitting on my couch yeah. that I think it'll work. We'll take yeah. the voice okay. memo version for the audio. So let me show you something. Mm. Uh, I know this isn't good for podcast listeners, so I'll describe. I hold up sure. a piece of paper. There it flat. is. You see uh-huh. a white square, but when I turn it sideways... Where it did it go? Completely disappears. What? Holy cow! How'd you do that? There's just there's like a line, but wow. I don't know if you space people have heard of this, but it's called the second dimension. <laughs> it's called the second dimension. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. this is magic. I'll give you yeah. that. <laughs> You're seeing too many things in three dimensions. Yeah. I'm trying to. Get you back on track with just two. There's a whole other world in there. Mm-hmm. Right. That so, we can only see from certain angles. Well, that's the thing. Is like we exist and observe largely in three dimensions, right? But there's this uh, two-dimensional field that Jordy and Data pick up, and they see that these particles only exist in those two dimensions. They don't have height, I think, is what they conclude. It is yeah. real in the weeds techno babble. It is. To turn something sideways. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that at all. It is completely like the most silly. I nearly thought of like geometry class back in high school where they teach you what a plane is, right? And I still yeah. have trouble conceptualizing because everything has height to me because it like even the piece of right. paper has density, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the thing is like I could see where they were trying to play on the concept whereas yeah. if we encounter a being that thinks and lives in five dimensions or whatever, it's like right. totally incomprehensible to us. So to go down to the other way for us being the almighty omni- omnipotent beings uh for this two-dimensional force. You know, this is my theory on the Fermi paradox. Oh? They just, there are aliens all around us. They just sure. exist in more and different dimensions than the ones we perceive. Mm, that would make sense. Like, I'm touching one right now. <laughs> but I would ask for consent, but I can't. You're destroying can't several thousand me. of them right now. Oh, Ooh, God. Yikes. <laughs> Ghosts. You're That's dragging them Jainism. into the. <laughs> Well, okay, but this is actually really the context for what is more important to the episode, which is the fact that some people on the ship are experiencing headaches, and notably, uh, Troy is passing out in her office. So she manages to, like... Correction, I think that only one person got a headache. Everybody else just (laughs) fell down. Well, that was Deanna's assumption. We don't know for sure. That was, she said that in a moment of passion. Well, I think that the reason I say that is because Crusher mentions it. So Crusher's like, so Troy contacts Crusher and says, I'm feeling dizzy. And no, it Crusher, takes her a long time to call yeah, sick bay. It does take her a long time. I agree. I was like, why aren't you calling for help as soon as you're in agony? But yeah. anyway, whatever. Maybe she buries her feelings. She calls Crusher and she says, I'm, I'm feeling really dizzy. And Crusher's first question is, did you hit your head? Yeah. And uh, she says, no, uh, I don't remember what exactly the dialogue is. But Crusher says, I'm getting reports of headaches all over. Yes. The she says ship. the word headaches. I, I thought, thought it was just did. reports or dizziness I'm, I'm or something like sure that. I'm pretty sure I'm getting reports all over the ship. Uh, Let's go it was to the specific. Oh, here yeah. we go. I'm invested now. 99% sure that it was because there was some turbulence or whatever you call it. Let us know by saying out loud to your podcatcher which you think it is. Did yeah. you watch the episode recently? 
<laughs> uh, the goal of this podcast is for everyone to memorize every line of the show. That's yeah, what we're yeah, here yeah, for. Yeah. That's what we're working on. But I have to accurate. bring up the thing that really bothered me when Deanna calls Crusher. She comes her in, yeah. and it's like, if I were the doctor, I would want to screen my comms. I mean, is there oh. like a busy signal? What happens if you're already on comms with someone else? How do you get a receptionist or like a, one of the ensigns in Med Bay to yeah. take all your calls? If Crusher was called by every individual yeah, yeah. that fell down during that turbulence, she can't even take all those calls. I have a theory. You want to hear my theory? Yes, please. Command staff has a secret channel. Otherwise, everyone would be calling the captain, would be calling the second in command, yeah. be like, I need to call my superiors. Da, da, it's da, like da. when you're on walkie on set and you're like, go to channel two. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, when but- cards like senior staff, okay. only the senior staff will get it because they're on a secret channel, I bet. But they don't say Love that. that. Love that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great explanation. I went to the tape. I checked it out. Becca, you're 100% right. Her oh, line is... Check, her check. line is... Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm getting calls from all over the ship. I suppose I assumed that it was also about headaches. But yeah, you're right. And so... If there's I one thing assumed- I have, uh, like one skill I have, it is pedantically memorizing verbatim <laughs> things for a very short time. <laughs> it's that's a skill. true. It is a skill. That's and you do have acting. multiple skills, I wanted yeah. to say. Like when you write, a rule script mm-hmm. and yeah. then I read that script once and then there's questions about the rules but I memorized your script so completely <laughs> to read through yeah. that I can tell you everything in it yeah, yeah. this expires 30 minutes later <laughs> yeah you conceptualize this stuff so well but this also goes hand in hand with like because Troy was the only one to have a headache she's also the only one to experience this other weird symptom which she says she like reports in that she can't sense people right yeah, well, there's a whole, like, it's a while before she even realizes that. It's, is it when Riker comes in or when she goes to sickbay? She, it's during a conference when they're all together right. in front of everybody. And they're like, oh, this is this life form. Can you sense it? And she's like, I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> You're all blank to me, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ugh. All I see is blank surfaces with no depth. Is the worst diss you can give your former Imzadi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, there are great, um, a few great moments on this, but I really felt like they were playing with thoughts on disability. Um, only how, not a, how a person deals with becoming disabled, but from her perspective, having dealt with other people in her position, how she has dealing with it anyway. And, yes. and it was so fascinating and I yeah. thought right? well written. I thought so, so too. This first comes out when she's talking to Riker. And, um, or before that, she talks to Crusher and she says, if I get better, I get better. If not, life goes on. Mm-hmm. And uh, later tells Riker the worst part of this is people walking on eggshells around yes. you. Yeah, yeah. Or treating you differently. I did have a note. I think it's when she was talking to Crusher uh, because, oh, because yeah, Crusher says like, I don't want to give you false hope. And I wrote down, she retorts back really quickly. It's just hope, Beverly, not Oof. false hope. Such a good line. It is a good line. Let's erase false hope from our vocabularies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They cover so many topics in this episode so efficiently. Like, it wasn't just really about one thing. It's about grief. It's about loss. It's about denial. It's about 
um, being a hypocrite, honestly, a lot of the time. Yeah. And the B plot was techno babble in two dimensions. Like it doesn't <laughs> connect until it connects. And even then it's a loose connection. I, I found a connection in this Riker scene that we're talking about here because Riker comes after she mentions to in the observation lounge that she can't see anybody. We go to commercial and we come back and I think eventually Riker steps into her quarters and says, mm-hmm. hey, and checks in on her. And she's pretty defensive about the whole thing. I do not like a lot of what's happening here. It, it feels a very like late 90s, like chauvinistic male view of like, no matter what she's saying, I know what's best and I'm going to push forward in what I think this person needs in terms of care and, and wants. I think that's the whole- intentional. That's- that's a later scene, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it starts here. It like, does start here. He's he, not listening to her. Ba- nobody's listening to her boundaries, but it's she comes across as like, she even apologizes and says, like, I've been awful and I've been in the wrong. But I think she is in the right for the most part, like, this whole time. Really? Disagree. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really? she, well, I think everybody sees, well, because she lays it out, right? She says, yeah. I don't have my empathic abilities anymore. And so they immediately, of course, feel sorry for her. This is in the check-in appointment with the widow, which is a pretty important scene. She goes back to work. Yeah. And then goes to see, sorry, or goes back say, to her but Troy, But doesn't Riker come in first to check in on her? Because, and this yes. is when she's irritated. And this is when he, he even calls her Imzadi, right? Yeah, and she like dismisses yeah, it. He, yes, well, that's my point. Is like I think this is intentional that he's kind of not very effective at calming her down or like trying to get her mm. to see a little bit reasonably because he like throws that out there. It feels like a button he should press to be like, "Remember, we're friends." <laughs> and like mm. that's not how this works right now, Riker. You need to listen to this person. And like she's so caught up in her grief and denial of it, she doesn't know how to listen either. So they're mm-hmm. both communicating kind of poorly, which is yes. ironically the thing she is best at, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I I don't I think she's completely in the wrong. I totally am really? in the opposite camp of Xander. I think this scene is the start of a ramping of uh-huh. just an immaturity, inability sure. to talk through her emotions mm-hmm. because she's missing this thing that she's had the upper hand, which later Riker says, "Ah, you've always had control over every situation because you knew exactly what the other person was feeling and now you don't have that upper hand. You are on a level playing field. We are equals and you are furious about it and I think she throws a childlike tantrum this entire episode and I wow. do like the way that she plays that because I think that that's an honest portrayal but I do think it's completely irrational behavior. See, it, I wrote down the, that same moment you always had an advantage over us but I wrote it in like Jesus Riker, like calm down. <laughs> like that's who she is as a person. Like right. you're saying like who you are gives you an advantage over conversations. Like there's no advantage disadvantage. Like it, it, it I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. I think I could marry both of these a little bit because I I agree with what Becca just said. But I think I don't know if it's a childlike response so much as like an overwhelmingly emotional response. Mm -hmm. Right. And it it is irrational for sure. But we all act irrational at times, especially in moments of grief and despair. We we started this episode with her explaining to the person that they need to go through the stages of grief. And you're right, Right. Becca. She ignores her own advice and doesn't even address it. She tries to bottle it up just like Ensign What's-Her-Face did in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, (laughs) I think I like this episode a lot and I take umption. I don't know. I take offense to like the way that she behaves because this is something that to get really personal, I have been working on in therapy for a long time of I am a very emotional person and I will go to 10 Mm -hmm. like 
at at a moment's notice and controlling that is like the purpose of therapy for me um, in a big part. And so that's why when I see that behavior in others that I criticize in myself, I'm like, Mm. Uh, 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 uh." Mm. but that's also part of being human. It's okay. I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Neither can Deanna Troy, especially in this moment. So it's like we have characters who have like, I I mean, I'm going to say that's a flaw, right? That you want to work on. So if that's okay, we got to see this episode where she gets to work on it. <laughs> and the podcast ended that day. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they now? She uh, quit as ship's counselor. To get back to the episode, though, I thought it was really important in the scene where she checks back in with the widow, and mm. the widow, she's like, Deanna Troy says, okay, I don't have my empathic abilities, full disclosure, but, but instincts. I think, yeah, I think you're coming back. You're saying you you had that weird jewelry music box. You <laughs> took it home overnight, and you come back to me, and you say, Actually, you were right. I wasn't dealing with it. Now I completely dealt with it. And I'm so totally, so totally well adjusted and happy. And Troy's like, yeah, um, I don't think just guessing on intuition here. I don't think that's how that works. I think you're going to need more time to process. You're wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. You could never have been more wrong. If all history of people being wrong right now, you are making it because you're so wrong. Exactly. And you watch the like motionless face, but you know, inside she's. About to explode. (laughs) (laughs) She's never been wrong in her entire life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, Brooks like finally addressed her feelings and let it all out. Right. And so obviously that's what Troy isn't doing. One night of crying. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. One night. I know. But the scene is supposed to show that like she finally let it out after what was it? Two years or something crazy. Mm. So the the other thing that I, I didn't mention was that like I think where the B plot comes into this a little bit is where. Commander Riker's first scene with her, uh, she explains to him that, like, I see you there and I see other people there, but there's no depth. Uh, playing with dimensions. That's what I was uh, thinking was. It's like she has a three-dimensional idea of things and now she only can see in two dimension and it's paralyzing for her. That's very good. I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, the disability thing obviously comes into it because we, we get into the even really very specific amounts yeah. of it with Picard and his analogies, yeah. right? Right. It's well, so he doesn't important. know anything. So this is a scene where she comes to resign. She says, I yes. am incapable of performing my duties and I must resign, accept it. And as the audience, we don't even know how to like conceptualize this. We need these analogies of blindness or other disabilities, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't know what it's like to have what she has. And then suddenly she's now like us. I think right. I do know, because I think if you do go blind, then your other senses get stronger. You know nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? <laughs> Unproven. Why? What? Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that really is complete bullshit. I don't know. It is. Uh, so I did some cursory reading on this, and I Ooh. think I got some scientific knowledge on this. I hope. Ready to be called out when ready. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's not true. It's not true that people's senses necessarily get stronger so much as... You know, the they can focus more on those senses, right? And sure. so, therefore, neurologically, they might develop different pathways or exercise them more, relying on those other senses. We also we can think about this in a pretty simple experiment. When we're concentrating, we sometimes close out other senses. We close our eyes, mm. or we like try to shut out other noises, right? So it's the same thing as like less information that your brain is processing, the more yeah. space you got. That's a little armchair neurology. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I agree with that. I close my eyes when I'm focusing on hearing mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So the same thing can be true of people that lose other senses is they tend to compensate with uh, the others. 
You're less distracted with that stupid sense of sight. <laughs> right, right. Well, I I was surprised that they didn't bring Jordy more into the conversation because yeah. There, yeah. there was oh, some moments. Oh, there's a missing heart to heart. There could have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, but there was some great stuff with Data, and I'm glad that they had their heart to heart and the perfect stuff with Guinan, which was incredible as usual. But uh, I did. I thought there were a lot of clear examples of things that people with disabilities co- constantly. Have to deal with people uh, uh, sort of like spouting off inspirational stories at you of like I heard about this person who overcame some mm-hmm. difficulty and that's how I relate to you, or uh, you know like telling because that's why I think I found it so frustrating because it felt a lot like a person who is able to communicate feelings pretty well telling you. Listen, you don't know what this is like. I need to take some time to myself. I need to resign. I need to, like, you don't need to talk to me. You don't need to check up on me. I need to figure this out until I get better. And everyone's like, nope, you don't get to take time off. You don't get to be alone. You don't get to do this. I get where it's a TV show and we need to have moments between people. But there was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like nobody's listening to her. And like, like people think they know better than what she is saying. And it just was very frustrating. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, respect people. But at the same time, if someone's starting to spiral into a depression, sometimes they are doing the things that are coping mechanisms that are not going to help pull them out. And they do need the people around them to step in and say, hey, I'm here. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, she also kind of ignored some sage advice from Crusher, which was that right. you need to go see some of the other people who are trained in psychology on this ship. You know, and you they are need the only... to get more counselors on this ship. Yeah. We need to talk to Riker <laughs> about personnel. So, Jesus. I mean, I think there's an assumption that like mental health is so decently handled in the 24th yeah. century that old, the counselors are needed on a like less frequent basis. So there's like Wrong. special... <laughs> I'm you just right, I'm telling Becca. you what the assumption is. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like cases like Ensign Brooks and stuff, it's not necessarily a regular thing for all thousand members of the crew. It's a traumatized person who's gone through something sure, sure. significant. Yeah. Well, but it turns maybe out they have we're a lot of holodeck counselors. Like, well, that's what I would imagine is, is a, a holodeck simulation for that, which would I'm sure work great and probably does in future uh, Star Trek installments, right, Xander? Because there's holodeck, there's like holographic doctors as well. There is uh, who tries to be a ship's counselor as well with Voyager because they're lost in a, a, the Delta Quadrant. Interesting. Without a counselor. Without a counselor. Oh, oh boy. Awful. <laughs> yeah, that's hell. Yeah. Well, the Guinan scene, man, every single time we have a we have we hit like a wall in terms of like, man, where are we going to go? How is she going to solve this? Of course, Guinan steps in with a drink and a little bit of wisdom and crushed velvet. I want more blue (laughs) crushed velvet in my life. She's wearing (laughs) like um, a top hat that's wider on top. And it like frames her face (sighs) in this cool like crochet pattern. Oh, it's so cool. and so textured. Gorgeous. Okay, so. To recap, Guinan comes in, says, oh, uh, people are always coming in here for a shoulder to cry on. Thank God that's not you. Hey, mm-hmm. ship's counselor positioning open up. I could do that. I could do that. It's easy, right? There's like triple <laughs> reverse psychology happening. <laughs> and like also like they don't let Troy like look dumb. She clearly sees what Guinan's doing and calls her out on it, too. I love the yeah. intelligence of this conversation. Absolutely. Because I feel like that's what a lot of this audience is probably dealing with. We've got a lot of people that are maybe socially disabled in some way, and they're intellectually aware of what's happening with their emotions and aware of their reactions, but they don't know what to do about it. 
That's why I want to yeah. push back on like the idea that she was childlike in her response because I think it's she's just the ugly cry that she had in Riker's chest in that first scene. It was like just the overwhelming bottling up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Either one. Uh, then this is still that's her emotional response, and then this is her intellectual response with Guinan when she's trying to figure out the logic of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, Guinan plays yeah, as you said, three layers of tricks to get her to admit that oh. Well, I know I have other instincts as well, but they take years to develop. And it's like, well, you've been developing them anyway, you, unless you are own t- entirely relying on your empathic abilities. And she exactly. may have been. And the intuition was, you know that I don't really want this position. How mm-hmm. do you know? Do you feel my feelings? No, you're relying on your intuition. Done. Yep. It was a great way to get there. Like, I love this, these approaches that they get to take because Whoopi can execute them flawlessly as if it was just natural conversation. I love that it's only, it's a, she's only in one scene. She's in the, she's in a scene at the yeah. very end for a second, but like be, that they only ever need her once to really right, lay right. it down. And the it, perfect guest starring role. It really is. And they always, I was just thinking from the writer standpoint, they always just like nail those scenes. Mm-hmm. No matter what else is happening in the episode that we talk about, it's like, then there's a Guinan scene. And then yeah. we'll be good at the rest of the episode. <laughs> I think that it's um, self-fulfilling. It's right. cyclical of we have freaking Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. We this have to talent. use her well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know exactly who Guinan is, the most wise person on the ship because we have Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg. And so like best written scene because best talent, yeah, you know, yeah. those things complement each other. But also like human intuition and instinct are not always right, but they do make life interesting. And I was like, tears. Ooh. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then Man, the next that's where all note the that I have, comes from. it must go to it's there back to the ensign because I was like, this ensign's a friggin' mess. That's <laughs> just my note. Mine was, oh god, bad acting. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, there's some techno babble stuff that's real good. Perfect techno babble. Uh, yeah, or actually that comes after we see the patient one last time and she goes, no, you were right. Remember when I said you were absolutely and completely wrong? You were right. She's a friggin' mess. Uh, uh. Okay, so. Talk about not being in touch with your instincts. Yeesh. Right? Right? She needs you guys are unforgiving counselors, you know. Yeah, she needs to resign. Look, that uh, that ain't that ain't my skill set. Okay, could be a good ensign. We just before this see a purple blob yes. on the view screen. Right. What is this thing? A cosmic string fragment made yep. up of interstellar farts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wasn't so, me. Uh, whatever the, this um, two-dimensional rubble that, or you know, black light spittle um, that we're, that we've oh, like that. been stuck in uh, is pulling us. We can't warp out of there, mm. and now it's slowly floating towards this purple rift in space that's going to destroy everything that goes into it. We imagine, well, but they don't know because they can't perceive it. So we need to communicate with these little <laughs> bug creatures. I don't even know if they're intelligent, but we have to tell them they're heading to their doom. Right. Right. It could be a gravitational pull of this space string. Right. Well, that's why I was wondering why they didn't figure it was gravitational. Right. Uh, But they did. That was the running theory for the long time. But they realized quickly they're caught amidst the particles or like protons or whatever they are. Right. Which also we should say is preventing them from using their engines. 
Uh, yeah. This is the big yeah, thing. They try to, they they try, the, the head engineer, the chief engineer says, let's just gun it out of here. And yeah, see yeah, what yeah. Happens. Let's go fair. straight to warp six. Yeah, fair, except when they did it and it failed, he says, we're lucky the hull's still in one piece. Yeah. Again, Whoops. chief engineer. <laughs> that's the Listen. conclusion. <laughs> That's the heart of science is experimentation. <laughs> Not yeah. in the hall of your show. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if Jordy has a suggestion box, but I'm sure there's some. Well, Let's not try just... that again, comma, Ensign yeah. Xander. Mm-hmm. Let's shoot these 2D rocks with torpedoes then, because yeah. then they can't go towards right, the rip. Right. No. Well, first let's do it like above them in a dimension that they can't comprehend and see if that does anything. Well, you know, crossing through their dimension, shoot the torpedoes in front of them so they'll say, oh, not that way. It does nothing. Right. Assuming they're like bacteria or something and they'll just be shying away from it. And later we get some some analogies from Troy about the moth to the flame. Right. And so what's instinctual? We don't know. And so we're trying to communicate with them for the variety of ways. And that's this is when I think this is when Picard says to Troy, we need you. You can't resign as ship counselor because we need to figure out what's out there. Yeah, well, one more thing. So they um, they first shoot in front of them. Then they then Picard makes the call. Okay, shoot t- torpedoes directly at them. It doesn't work. But There's I think a it was a really big decision yeah. for him to decide that he would murder these life forms New if life. they are life forms mm-hmm. instead of jeopardize his crew and all their families. That's um, exactly because it. their impending doom is now like six hours away. So that and was a big decision. It. You can see it like in how he holds his breath and his posture and you can see the exhale when it doesn't work, you know, but also, oh, crap, it didn't work. It was beautiful mm-hmm. to me as a, a Becca captain. This is the moment we call the Federation and we say any starships in the area, we need a rescue. Yeah. They Send don't out do a that. Distress well, signal. never put out a distress signal. The well, the thing is about Star Trek is I feel they always use the excuse that they're in deep space when a lot of this stuff happens. Yeah, but sure, they didn't say it, and I wanted them to. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair. That we called and nobody could get here. I'd time. also say that like if they're caught in something, usually getting another ship involved is not good because they're dealing with something that is so powerful That's that true. they can't. Maybe they'll have other casualties if they bring other starships in. Yeah, but they'd have to at least try and escape in some shuttles. I would, that's what I was wondering, is the shuttles. It's like, do they not try and like see if smaller engines can get out or something? But I think that would be the last tell minute. Most people. That's true. Most like the Ensign Brooks or whatever, she's like still dealing with her husband's death. <laughs> not like you're yeah. going to die in five minutes. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> this is still, you can tell it's also the B plot because it right. doesn't really matter as much as yeah. Troy's yeah. stuff. <laughs> I mean, we get down to three minutes until instant death, sure, and they yeah. still haven't talked about an escape plan. Well, so actually, so you got, we tied it together, actually. I kind of forgot to mention. So when you mentioned that Brooke says to her, you know, you were right the whole time, you did it without your empathic abilities. That's when right. Troy goes to Picard, and Picard's like, we got to figure this out, so go talk to Data. Yeah, and yeah you can two see wins her, in a row. her, like, fighting back still. Picard, she's like, I can't do this. Right. You're wrong. Blah, 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 blah. But There's a big... Deep inhale, eyes look down, about yeah. to say something, and he's like, "No, <laughs> just do it." Yeah, he's like, "Just work with data. Like, you don't, you can be the human in the situation." <laughs> Which they do for five hours before we cut to them, because it was six hours until we get there, That's and true. then they cut to the scene with data and, and and Troy looking at a screen, and they go, "Okay, one hour until oh. impact." It's like, wait, yeah. hold on, you I just been that. standing here for five hours staring at this thing? I think they've been looking at a piece of paper doing this, trying to figure yeah, out what yeah. to do. Yeah. 
to mention. Slowly. Here's the thing too. In this one, uh, I know we always give them a bunch of shit for having like multiple data pads. Um, because it's like, oh, you can just go from one to the other. I say, as I have like my phone and my smartwatch and my <laughs> iPad and my Nintendo Switch like surrounding me in my bed, and I'm like, oh wait, no, there might be something to this. I love that packing scene where she's putting she's them all in a lunch pad pail. After pad. Yeah, but they're different sizes, so I can assume they're different things. Like this is the psychology pad. I was also like, I don't think she's going to be able to close that. I don't think yeah. that. <laughs> a lot yeah. in there. That's fair. Hey. It's all the mementos that she has. They're just data sticks that she plugs into the replicator also, for her she, patients. She's packing yeah. to leave the ship, and they're caught in a gravitational yeah. wave. She's Where not she leaving. Go, yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But it's the resignation. She packed up her office. Oh yeah, there it is. She's moving yeah. out. So even if they blow in. up emotionally, yeah. she wants it to be remembered that she did get to pack her things. Right. Maybe right. Ensign yeah. Brooks saves one of those data pads just in case yeah in a little uh, data pad closet (laughs) so troy works with data data explains the two-dimensional beings to her and their need to be in here and so she starts to figure out this cool smooth transition too of him explaining to picard that it was her idea but it's like gone right to presenting this to the bridge crew well but it's her idea but guess what's it inspired by but I thought it was inspired by Guinan because Guinan told her that she's relying on her instincts, which is what mm-hmm. she comes up with the idea. Oh, of, oh sure, maybe yeah. they're relying on their instincts. I think there were a lot of different things that pointed to this. Yeah. Both Ensign Brooks saying, you did it. You fixed me with just your instincts. Guinan having that conversation. Yeah, they tie it all together. And baby sea turtles that know instinctively <laughs> when they're born on the beach that they need to go straight into the ocean. Quickly. I, I'm glad that they didn't bring up lemmings because a lot of the time in an older psychology, like that was brought up as a, a thing, but that's proven, like disproven. And Wait, so, are you referring oh, to I don't the, know that? I don't know about Are lemmings. you talking about like the rumor that they would, they hold, would jump, jump off, off of cliff. cliffs? Yeah, that they oh. don't do that. <gasps> yeah. That was some fucked up Nat Geo stuff where they just wanted to get a shot and they like chase them off. I think it was Disney. Did you tell us about this? I think we've actually may have talked about this on this episode, but let's just talk about it again because none of us exactly remember. It was for a Walt Disney documentary, White Wilderness, Mm -hmm. um, where they they yeah they recreated that for some reason. I don't remember what their excuse was, but it's not true. They don't they don't naturally just leap off of cliffs. Right, right. But that was used as an example in psychology of like instinct going against uh, personal survival. Right. Well, or instinct. It's, I don't think it's going against. It's a it's a confusion where the instinct, unfortunately, leads them to their death because they think they thought it was a migratory pattern. Just like with moths mm-hmm. being drawn to a flame, they think they're following the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Or QAnoners to an insurrection. Exactly the same. Yeah. So it's it's actually it's their instinct to think they're doing the right thing instinctually, mm-hmm. but it's leading them to their own downfall because it's a misconception. Yeah. yeah, there was a connection. <sighs> Facts. Let's just end there. That's perfect yeah. ending. Yeah. Got it. Okay, but I thought that it was a big jump of Deanna. We're giving her credit, but really, Data was the one that said, "Okay, but to take this information and put it into something practical, right. we will but- project another purple gas blob, but they only perceive vibrations. So we will just. Uh, this is when Jordy jumps in. Amazing. Hold on. Let's go to the yeah. Tape. Here it is. A cosmic string emanates a characteristic set of subspace frequencies as atomic particles decay along its event horizon. I could use the ship's parabolic dish to amplify and reflect those frequencies back toward the cluster, the Enterprise itself, 
would echo the cosmic stream. Okay, that so. was the most amazing techno battle. It's so many words he had to memorize. And it's so well, uh, it flows so well, too. I like, believe he dialogue. knows what he's talking about. So the parabolic dish is the little, th the deflector dish on the bottom of the Enterprise that we use for different waves and things like that. We want to emanate it. It's also responsible for towing things like we saw in the last episode. It's uh, called a parabolic dish? I thought it was called the deflector dish. It is the deflector dish. It's parabolic in shape. Ah, got I it. think okay. that's what he's referring to. I, I gotcha, to. I gotcha. And then, uh, so we have this this tool to be able to emit frequencies, especially subspace frequencies, which is a made up thing for the Star Trek. Um, but we have the, these properties that we can play with here. And so it's saying he's saying that this cosmic string is emanating these frequencies in subspace that our dish will be able to emulate in a way that a two dimensional being will be able to perceive. Got it. One more time? Yeah. Still the same. A cosmic string emanates a characteristic set of subspace frequencies as atomic particles decay along its event horizon. I could use the ship's parabolic dish to amplify and reflect those frequencies back toward the cluster. The Enterprise itself would echo the cosmic string. There is, that is there's another good. piece. There's another piece that's in there in that the cosmic string we now know has a decay along its event horizon, indicating that it's something like a black hole, which also explains why it would be connected to something in two dimensions. Wasn't an event horizon where, where the dimension breaks down to? Exactly. Right. It's the edge, quote unquote, of where it would be. The end of the world. <laughs> the kind Earth of. is flat, but it's just the universe. <laughs> We say in space. <laughs> it's very, very good techno babble. And yeah. a good explanation of what they're doing to solve the B plot. Oh, and LeVar Burton, just yes. chef's kiss. And so to accompany the techno babble, we have some flashing lights and some things happen and the plot is resolved. Oh, also, people listening, feel free to check check me because I'm sure I got some stuff wrong there. No, you're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't check check him. He did good uh, enough. She's back. As soon as they fly away, we get yeah. a little salty smile. Yeah, she's got her full sass on. She's like, I know things. She does that headache, like, kind of bend over, and both Picard and Riker rise up, look concerned, <gasps> and she puts a hand up, like, no. Rise up. And then a very, yeah. They feel at home. They have reached the place that they desire to go, <laughs> most of all. She's like, I can do it again. Look, look I'm good me. at my job. <laughs> I'm riding a unicycle. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I want to hear theories now. What do you think the was the connection between two-dimensional beings and her uh, abilities as partial Betazoid? Do you think there was a connection or, like, it had to be? Oh. I see the comparison, but, like, what's going on with this suppression of this ability? Like, why did that happen? Here, I think they explain that. Do they? Which, I didn't write it down exactly, but mm. it was something like... You were short-circuited because oh, they had too many, too many feelings. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which we've seen would... happen before, and she just melted down. It also had to do with a music box playing on repeat from that planet right. where yeah. the guy had created a projection of his dead wife. Yes, famous Star Trek villain Kevin. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, most relatable of yeah. all villains. That's well You're right, Becca. Their overwhelming, I think it was like happiness from returning to their home, quote unquote, was yeah. uh, flooding the emotional plane of existence. Right. I guess I don't know. It got a little got a little mystical there. I missed it. Yeah, no, I I did too. Honestly, I like had to rewind a couple times to be like, wait, how are we justifying this? But we yeah, and then it just kind of gets waved away, which I'm fine with. Honestly, that makes That's sense. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they flooded it. They also, this is right at the end. Did that exterior shot of the ship seem a little bit prolonged yes. and weird? Yes. Okay. It was a weirdly long shot of the exterior. Usually at the end of these episodes, they'll they'll have a moment where someone will smile <laughs> and say something, and then they'll cut to an exterior. Like, and I guess it's like, like an unestablishing shot. And then, yeah, they'll fade in with executive producer so-and-so, right? Well, yeah. this one had a shot of the Enterprise going towards you, and then, and an then ex- another shot of it going away. As if something else was going to happen. Like it was going to get. Maybe they were trying out some new uh, exterior directions and they were like, I'm really proud of what we did here. Let's it put it all good. in. I think that's a, the best theory, Becca, because they yeah. did new shots for this whole drifting sideways thing. That was Those were that's all new true. shots and they had a bunch of them in there. So I bet that's exactly what it was, Becca. Good call. The ship yeah. looked great in this episode. It, it was did. It was painted, I think, differently. It looked good. Great paint job. Great paint job. Uh, Rick Berman, uh, executive producer, recalled, I pushed for this episode a lot. It was fascinating to me that someone would lose one of their senses and be un- be unable to explain it to others because they didn't have it in the first place. If you were the yeah. only sighted person in a colony of blind people and suddenly you lost your vision and they all said, so what? Well, that's what this was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a long way to get there. But yeah, I see what he's saying. <laughs> Marina Sirtis also said that uh, people with disabilities did come up to her at cons and thanked her for this episode and said it meant a lot. She was great in this episode dealing with a made up Betazoid accent and all of these feelings and this like dealing with something that we as human beings could not really conceive of was so believable. Yeah. Yeah. So much of her identity is feeling other people and when that's taken away. Oof. Well, it's also like the grief of loss, right? Which is the, this mm-hmm. is what the episode is called is the lost, but like the lost, sorry. But like Brooks lost her husband and then mm-hmm. Troy lost a sense, a valuable sense of perception. And, yes. the, the, and we lost our patience <laughs> with the second dimension. <laughs> but the but the feelings are the same, right? Is yeah. like going through all of the denial and all those stages of grief is we saw it all. Yeah, it's well, really well done. I even had the note like, "Good episode," as if they we haven't had a, a clunker really this season. No, it's been it's been a lot more hits than misses, and also like I just kind of expected this to be another Troy going through the motions, and it definitely wasn't. We explored so many different things in this episode so efficiently; it was really entertaining. It went fast. Yeah, my emotions were sky high, <laughs> just like Troy. Loved it. Great up. Ten out of twenty. We also got to see some good moments between Gates and, and Deanna, right? That we haven't seen very often, just to bring More? up like a Bechtel test. I was going to say, we yeah. crushed the Bechtel test this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crush- we crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially because those two have uh, a really valid uh, scene with like some animosity to it that's not just a misunderstanding or someone acting. I mean, we'll say Troy is acting rational, but it was also, there was depth to that argument if you it was were my a, best friend you would have come to me first <laughs> yeah 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 it was a doctor and a therapist like getting in each other's skin yes it was two professionals also like arguing for their field a little bit and then at the end and not a single sparkly leotard <laughs> yeah not this time but at the end also troy like starts to yeah. apologize and crusher's like you know i absolutely i get it and yeah. you know, come talk to me later and and guy there that. Mm-hmm. and riker's there <laughs> you're all there, there. yeah 
Anyway, we were about to end. <laughs> we were. Uh, well, Becca said that she gave this episode a high rating, but I cannot wait to see her reaction to this next episode. Because mm. it's Data's day. Yay! <gasps> Data records a day in his life for Commander Bruce Maddox, uh, which is the fellow <gasps> from Measure of a Man, as a matter of fact. Bruce Maddox! Mm-hmm. Including observation on Chief O'Brien's wedding and the mystery of a Vulcan ambassador who apparently dies in a transporter accident. This Ooh. sounds great. Let's go to there. Engage! Engage.